you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Papaya Podcast. I'm your hostess, Tran Hermostis, Sarah Nicole, and each week I'm going to be dishing out some sweetness mixed in with some seeds of wisdom or something like that. So get ready to get inspired, get candid, get real, because we are all in this digital space together. I'm very excited to welcome today's guest because she's somebody who I actually met at a speaking online virtual thing during the pandemic. We were both on panels of discussion, and she's just one of those incredible humans that you will not forget. Jessamine Stanley, she's an American yoga teacher and body positivity advocate and writer. She gained a lot of her recognition through her Instagram posts, which is actually how I found her prior to speaking alongside her, uh, doing yoga as a plus-sized woman of color. She recently was also featured in Women's Health Magazine in their body issue. She is an incredible author, yoga teacher, entrepreneur, and advocate. Please welcome Jessamine Stanley. Ah, Jessamine, I'm so happy. We've had this in the books for a while, but I'm so happy to be here today with you. Genuinely. It's a a long time coming. Like, I feel like I've been admiring your work for years and I'm so glad to be in community with you. And literally like this month we have the women's health issue come out that we're both featured in. And it's just like so cool to me to be able to like collide in this way. I feel like the universe let it happen. Well, it was interesting because with the women's health, you we knew it was a nude shoot and we knew it was like closed from each other. So you, I was like, I don't know how I've never done anything like this before. And I was the last person of the day, which was such a bad idea because the anxiety just like went up as the day went on. And I got there and everything was so fast. It just moved so fast. But we got to see the call sheet like the day before. And yours was the first name that I was like, oh my goodness, I I know her. Like that was in my head. I was like, I know her. (laughs) I was so excited. And uh, how was was the shoot for you? Did you just feel like, did it just feel like another day? Because you do nude stuff in general. You're a little nudie. I was going to say, yeah, I'm like kind of naked a lot yeah, of the time. Yeah. So I don't know if that aspect of it was, that was probably the part that I was the most excited about, that it's like, yeah. oh, cool. Because I think that there's a level of vulnerability that you can get to when you're not wearing clothes that is just like so different and really freeing. But I think that any situation where there's like 
a pro photographer and like a like a team at any time that something like that is happening i'm definitely thinking about what's going on quite a lot and so that i think that like being able to find any kind of ease within that space is helpful and i do i hadn't thought about the fact that that it was a closed shoot for each person and that we were all like really separated and but when i saw your name too i was like oh dope like and i mean the issue itself is just like really really cool i feel like the the collection of people is really interesting but i think that like we all just have our own relationships to our bodies and like it's what I think is most interesting to me, though, honestly, is how universal the experiences are and like how much we're all just like having the same experience. So I don't know. I mean, I feel you is what I'm trying yeah. to say. Yeah, it was a great experience. And uh, yeah, there's a bit of like that handing over the baton of you're now going to be representing the way I look in this very raw and real way. And it was a, such a it was such a powerful thing. I actually had done another one very recently where it was like a mannequin series where this photographer went viral for it years ago. And I've said no to her doing it. And she's always like, when you're ready, you're going to come back to me and you're going to do it. <laughs> and so that was 2017. She went mega viral for it. And that was at the peak of my disordered eating. It was that the peak of me being like this weight loss influencer. The idea of doing a nude shoot was just no, like absolutely not. I'll, I'll feel like a fraud in every other arena. And so it was really interesting. I did the women's health one. And then I did, I did the mannequin one. And she looked at me at the end of the shoot and she was like, this was such a long time coming. I'm like, yeah, a lot of things have been, cause it is this journey. And I feel like no matter where you, there were people in that shoot that I was like, how could you possibly have a negative thought of what, of like yourself? But there's these intersections where we all sort of come together and it's like, it's, it's really hard to live in a body live in a body that is changing. That's a variable that is constantly told is your worth and trying to find your, dig your way out of that. And I feel like your work, especially sort of like, and for as long as I followed you really submerged people in the expression of like what it is to be in a body, not just trying to avoid it or turn away from it, but also re-sculpting the way we looked at health and fitness. You were at the forefront of that. Did you always talk to me? Let's go back a little bit and talk about how you entered into yoga because yoga space like, I'll, I'll be honest. I remember I started yoga because I thought it was cool. I thought it was like an aesthetic. You wanted to, if you were a yoga girl, you were a hot girl. So I was like, I want to be, <laughs> I want to be like the fuckable yoga girl. So oh, I, yeah. I went into that. Right. And so I had mm. these like other notions of it. And there was always like this part of me that the end of the sessions was like, Oh, that was actually really good for my, my mind. And like, what was, what was that, that ah, I yeah, just, totally. what was that, that I just experienced? Like I just came here to be hot, but you, <laughs> you, I would love to hear your story of like entering into yoga and how it really became a practice for you. Oh my God. I'm so obsessed with your story, quite frankly. Cause like, I never had this feeling of like, I'm going to be a yoga hot girl. Like I never saw myself <laughs> represented in yoga. And honestly, I thought that yoga was just for thin white women. I was like, mm -hmm. this doesn't have anything to do with me. When I was in high school, my aunt was obsessed with Bikram yoga and she convinced me to go to a class with her and I hated it so much. I was like, I'm never doing this again. Yeah. And then when I was in graduate school, a really, I was going through a really hard time in my life that honestly, like, was my introduction to the fact that like life is hard <laughs> surprise yeah, yeah. and also that change is constant and so there's just always going to be something but during that time I was 
really depressed and a friend of mine was really into yoga and she was like, oh my God, come to class with me. And I was like, absolutely not because I'd had this horrible experience. And so Mm -hmm. that's also why a lot of people are like, yeah, I've tried yoga. It sucks. I don't understand why you're obsessed with it. And I'm like, I feel you completely. I used to feel this way. But like what ended up happening was that in class, I was frequently the only fat person frequently like one of if not the only black person it was a very alienating experience for me and Mm. every posture seemed impossible to me like even to sit on my shins with or to sit with my legs crossed felt really challenging but what i noticed when i was practicing the postures was just how often i tell myself i'm not good enough and i can't Mm. do this it Mm. wasn't like i was immediately so flexible it was that i had this opportunity to see the amount of time that I restrict myself and that Mm. I say I become my own worst enemy. Mm. Like there would be moments in class where I would be looking at myself and in this particular style of yoga in Bikram yoga, they use mirrors. So you're like looking directly into a mirror. So I'm looking at myself and this is also something that I was not in the practice of doing. Like I did not have a habit of looking at my own reflection. There are whole years of my life where I don't have many photos of myself because I didn't want to look at myself. But so I'm looking at myself, it's like my worst nightmare. And I'm just like, talking cash shit about myself i'd be like oh my god look at your stomach look at your arms like look at everybody else in here knows what they're doing and why did you even show up and after a while i'd be like so are you gonna do this for the whole 90 minutes or like are you gonna try because you could just try and Mm. maybe you fall down and maybe everyone in here sees that you don't know what you're doing and maybe the teacher's gonna see and maybe they're all gonna make fun of you Mm. maybe you could still just try Mm -hmm. and that idea of just try that resonated beyond that came off the mat with me. It wasn't like, it was like, where else in my life am I not giving myself permission to try? And what would it look like if I just step into that? And it gave me a lot of confidence in it. I was in graduate school at the time. It gave me the confidence to leave graduate school and to move to a new town with basically no plan. For a while, I was like, I had all my stuff in my car and my partner had an apartment and we were like switching off who would sleep in this twin bed. And over time, we like got an apartment together and I was like finding a job and figuring stuff out. And Uh, During that time, a bunch of really sad things happened. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that stands out to me is that my aunt passed away really unexpectedly. And I think that when when death comes knocking, it's it's the time when all of us, you you take take stock Mm -hmm. of what's going on in your life. And I just found myself getting depressed again. And during that time, because of all of the transitions, I had stopped practicing yoga. And I was like, what was making me feel good before? Yoga? Mm -hmm. Okay, I just have to find a way to do this at home right now. Mm -hmm. And I had my dad's old Pilates mat and we literally, there was no space in the apartment to practice, but I would push all the furniture out of this one corner of the room, roll out my mat and I didn't have any guidance. And so I would literally just practice the few postures from the Bikram yoga sequence that I felt comfortable doing on my own. Yeah. And that practice just became my medicine. And ultimately, Mm. I still think of yoga in this way. It's the medicine that allows me to be okay with the fact that change is the only constant in life and that I will always, that I am always going to be in flux. And Mm. it's, I say it like that because I think that there's something that happens with yoga where people are like, I thought yoga was going to cure me or I thought it was going to solve all my problems. And I think that more than anything, it just has allowed me to be okay with the fact that there are problems and okay Mm. with the fact that there's conflict. And I 
like I didn't start. I started photographing my yoga practice because I wanted to track my progress over yeah. time. Yeah. And it was a very like that was a very hard experience for me because and I'm so curious if you have this experience like photographing yourself and doing so much intimate looking at your body but for me it was very triggering immediately and i was like very critical in these moments i would be like looking at my body just like oh my god this is disgusting what's going on and then but when i'm actually taking the photo i would be like oh my god life is amazing i'm incredible Mm -hmm. and just seeing that what happened at that intersection of my identities Mm -hmm. like seeing where the conflict was it ended up being really powerful for me and becoming something that was so much bigger than yoga in and of itself. I think that's so powerful what you said about the photo piece, because I was actually looking for photos of my grandmother yesterday and I was going through her Facebook albums and I noticed that she posted so many what we would all consider unflattering photos. Mm -hmm. But the point was not how she looked. The point was that she wanted it documented. She wanted it there. And I have like entire half if not full decades where I don't exist in photos because I only took photos to document my weight loss or to document how safe I felt in my body. And then those were the ones that ended up like staying and keeping. So getting into the practice of taking photos in an uncomfortable place, which is what I just shared with you, like I kind of have done. And then your mind slowly shifts. I went from like panic mode into like appreciation mode and also acknowledgement mode of like, all of this is fucking temporary. None of this is sticking around forever. It is really interesting, but I've never heard somebody approach fitness in a way of like acknowledging things that are hard. I think there's a lot of, um, and not in the toxic way, but just a lot of people push how joyful fitness is and how joyful everything is. And I'll be honest, like as like the white thin woman who was in a Mm -hmm. yoga class, I felt so outside of fitness forever because I didn't grow up in a home. Like I just didn't grow up ever. I was just, I was the chubby kid when I was little. So I never, gym class was terrifying. Gym class Mm -hmm. was not it. So now I've like lost a hundred pounds. I'm going to the gym and I was doing it to prove something. I wasn't doing it to Mm -hmm. feel good. I was doing Mm -hmm. it to try and fit into this space that I was trying to fit into. And it wasn't until aerial yoga I did aerial yoga with the silks. And that's the first time I was like, this is so hard, but I have to live. And it was Mm. interesting because you have three inches. There's three inches between your head and the floor when you're upside down. Literally. (laughs) Three inches. And it's amazing what those three, you're totally safe. Like you are safe, but the fear of falling drove me to the greater strengths that I didn't know I had, where when I was on a mat, I was like, oh, I just can't do this. Like, I just can't do it. Mm. And when I'm hanging upside down, I was like, I have no choice but to climb my body out of this. And that's what shifted. That's what shifted me mentally when it came to yoga similar to similar to your uh what you were saying is just it never became about how good I felt. It became about something entirely different. I think that a lot of people have very different experiences with that. But unfortunately, mm-hmm. the only message we see online is that it's because you feel good and because you, and that can be a facet of it. It can be a piece of it, but it isn't always like the common denominator in the practice of making movement a part of your everyday. When it came to you sharing on social media, I mean, you've been doing it for some time and you created a lot of I mean, a lot of conversation around what fitness looked like. And it was that, 
was that intentional in a way or was it sort of frustrating that you almost had to become a face of something because Mm -hmm. there was no face to who you were in that space? Can you talk me through a little bit about that, whether it was intentional or whether it was sort of like handed to you because you didn't look like what we saw yoga to be? Yeah, it was definitely not something that I intended. <laughs> like, it was yeah. not the goal. I When I started sharing my practice, it was literally just so that I could connect with other people because mm-hmm. I felt very isolated in my home yeah. practice. And I think this is one of the reasons that people don't practice yoga at home because you don't have the community around you. Yeah. But what I noticed mostly was people being like, I didn't know that fat people could practice yoga. And I was just like, wow, fat people do all kinds of things all the time. Like, yeah. we obviously just have a huge visibility problem. Yes. And that did motivate me to keep sharing my practice and to this day is why I still do because even now like I'm like we've made so much progress and then there'll be I'm sure somebody right now is DMing me like wow you know I never thought that I could do this practice I never thought that I could do it because I'm fat and I'm just like wow we live in a world that has created so much toxic rhetoric around who is a who is worthy who is allowed to do and to be and to live without to live without needing to explain yourself Mm. and that is something that i think ultimately is my motivation like Mm -hmm. more so than showing that like fat people can practice yoga it's that it's okay to be yourself it's Mm -hmm. okay you don't have to apologize for who you are and this is something that has really been that I've noticed about myself over time is the amount of apologizing that I do for my own existence. And I think that that is such a common experience to a point where we question it if it's not happening. Mm -hmm. And I think that it is really weird to put yourself out there because you end up being categorized in one way or another, and you'll end up wearing some kind of moniker or like title or label. And that label usually is a simplification of who you are or what Mm. your message is. And Mm -hmm. I think that for me, it has been really helpful to draw a distinction between the message that I share with people and who I am as a person. And, and also, especially like in working with big brands and being in campaigns, like um, Mm -hmm. I'm right now in a Gatorade commercial that is all over that's cool. United States and Canada. And yeah. I um, have been featured in Adidas ads. And um, it just it's like it's one of those things where it's like it becomes about there's there's like a tokenization and a fetishization that comes along with all of this mm-hmm. that I think is really challenging to reckon with. And ultimately, what feels important to me is the fact that another human being could see me and say, I am okay today. I don't yeah. need to apologize for who I am. Yeah. And that that helps balance the scales. But I definitely did not step into it thinking like, oh, this will be like, yes, I have this message to share. Like, yes, what how can we uh increase inclusivity in yoga? It's like, no, how can we all just be okay with being human? Mm, you know, that's the one, that's the one biggest memory I remember I have in a, in a yoga class was a woman queefed. 
And it was the most, <laughs> nobody in the room said anything. I'm sure everybody had like something to say, but we Absolutely. all had this, like it, it's in any other context, that would be a hilarious thing to happen. But in that context, it was like, no, that's very normal to happen. It's like what happens with the human body and everyone just carried on with their practice. And I was like, had that been me, I would have been like crawling backwards out of the space. But for whatever reason, the next time I ever like queefed in front of my husband or something, I was just like, whatever, that woman in yoga class did it, it was fine. Yeah. And it wasn't a thing, right? And I felt a, I felt a lot of just like the acknowledgement of of body, but I struggled. I will tell you, can we talk for a second about hot yoga? Please. How do you feel about oh, yeah. hot yoga? Because I'll <laughs> tell you, I thought I was going to die. I thought I was going to die. I thought the room was broken and I was like everything the room broke and I'm in the room that broke and something's very, very wrong here. And people are like obsessed with it. It's like cold plunges. There's like people, there's like a spectrum of people who like the cold plunges and the hot yoga. And I, and I need to understand them and I need to understand what you think about it. Legitimately. I just was, I have somebody that I respect deeply was just trying to convince me about cold plunges. And I was like, I'm never doing that. But after she explained it. it to me, I was like, I'm kind of curious. And, and now saying that, I'm like, oh, that's why I like hot yoga. Okay, so I'm low-key obsessed with hot yoga. I'm okay. totally one of those people that you're talking about. And it's like, it's only because I'm a masochist. And it's like so intense so that it's intense. like, it pushes you to a breaking point in a way that like, I think it's hard to do without the heat. Mm. Like it's whenever you're like in control of the temperature and your surroundings, it's like you don't have to face yourself in the Mm -hmm. way that you do when it's like, no, bitch, you got to look at this like period. And it's so intense because I mean, I remember so the same friend who introduced me to yoga, she she introduced another friend of ours to yoga. And this friend is like like runs marathons, very athletic. And she passed out in a hot in that hot yoga class that they went to. And it was like it's one of those things where it's like like, okay, and even to that point, the very first hot yoga class that I went to. I was like, this heat is unreasonable. And if you've never been to a hot yoga class, they're heating to like, it's like about 105 degrees. So like, it's fucking hot. It's so bad. It's like, you're sweating in ways. I was sweating in ways that I didn't know the human being sweat. Like I I was sweating on the tops of my knuckles, in my eyebrows. And like, they tell you not to leave the room also. Like when you, and I was just like, why would I not leave the room? This is outrageous. And during that very first class I left and I was like, oh my God, I feel so much better. And then when I walked back in, I learned why you shouldn't walk out because it creates (gasps) such an intense physical shift in your body that it's, it can have all kinds of negative repercussions. And for me, it was nausea. And that's why I was like, I'm never doing this again because this is awful. But it was ironic that like, when I did go back to yoga, I went back to the exact same style of yoga. It was still hot. Everything about it was, it's not like now I really enjoy the heat, but Mm -hmm. in the beginning, it was just like, this is oppressive. And more than anything, I just want to see if I can survive. What yeah. would happen if I t- if I stopped telling myself that I can't do it? And that's just the sort of thing that like is not even about what you're physically doing. It's just about like, how do I show up in life? Like, how mm. often do I say I can't do it? I'm not even going to try. 
And like, what am I missing out on when I do that? And so, and not even that, like, there's so much being missed out on, but just asking the question Mm -hmm. and having the opportunity to think of something different. Mm -hmm. That's why I fuck with the heat. Not because I like heat like that. Cause I really is that, are we going to cold plunge? Because I feel like it's the oh exact, God. it's the exact same theory behind it. It's like pushing yourself through a discomfort, regulating your breathing, paying a ton. Oh and, and every time I'm like, you, I like a shower scalding hot that I look burnt when I get out. And you're trying to Dude. convince me to get into a, a cold bath of water. And why is everybody doing it? I'm like, y'all feel like you're in a cult and we need oh to God. like it talk is, about it. Well, yeah. Well, this is the thing. So I, I'm in Northern California and I, what I didn't know about Northern California before I got here is that the ocean is impossibly cold like the fact that people get in it is insane to me it's so cold but so i remember one time i was out there just like sitting on the shore watching and this man came out in his swim trunks and he just got directly into the ocean this is also like at 6 7 a.m maybe Mm -hmm. so it's like particularly icy and he just like got in fully submerged and then he came out and then he got on the shore. I was I was staring. I was like, yeah, I was like, what yeah. are you doing? But then he like on the shore practiced some yoga postures and then sat in meditation. And I think about him all the time and just mm. how refreshing and cleansing and just like presencing, like bring it brings you into the present moment. Mm-hmm. And I think that like we live in a world where there are so many distractions and we're all constantly like looking at our phones or like looking at this thing, thinking about something from the past, worrying about something in the future and just being intentionally dropped into the moment is very valuable and by whatever means necessary. It's interesting that you brought up the word distraction because I've I've really struggled and grappled with the reality that our bodies are this like mass distraction and they it's like a hum inside our brains. It intersects with almost every single part of our day and our world and how we feel worthy. And then there so there's that part of me that's trying to like disengage from that distraction, but at the same time coming into practice of appreciation, especially through change, through, you know, the ebb and flow of a body, if you will. But how have you sort of like worked through some of your feelings around becoming present in your body, but also removing the distraction of thought around your body? Because I feel Mm. like you're, you're a good person to ask about this because your practice is in your body and you also work so hard in, you know, acknowledging change. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that For me, it's just accepting that every part of me is needed. Like Mm -hmm. the part of me from before, the part of me that I didn't like, the part of me that actively hates myself, all of that has to be there. Like, no. And I always think of it as like, we we can all be in the car, but we don't need to drive the car. So like the part of me that hates myself doesn't necessarily need to drive the car. She can sit in the back. We can get her some snacks. Maybe she needs a hug. I don't know what's going on. But like, there's a lot that can happen if I accept every piece of myself. And I think that that more than anything is really where I end up leaning in. Mm. Because I find so much wisdom in the hardest parts of my life and in the parts where I'm most challenged. The things that I want to run away from the most are the parts that have the most to teach me. Mm-hmm. And I think that being able to just rest in that and let the conflict be there and and like, you know, sometimes we talk about like riding the waves of life mm-hmm. and I think of it. I mean, I'm a double cancer, so I'm a, the most watery of water signs. And I'm like, I just need to be in the ocean. I need to yeah. be of it. I don't want yeah. to try to fight the waves. I don't want to try to 
top the waves or be the, I don't need to dominate the waves. I just need to be of the water and accept that change is not only going to come, but that I need to invite it in. Mm -hmm. I can look for it to a certain Mm -hmm. degree, like that it's okay to evolve. And that, because when I think now about who I am at this age and who I was even like 10 years ago, I could never have seen what, who I have become. And if I had had any inkling of some of the pieces that had to happen along the way, I would have run in the opposite direction or been like, I can't do that. That's too much. And just letting it be there, letting myself be human, Mm -hmm. I think is the most valuable thing at this point. And especially thinking about like, God willing and the creek don't rise, that there will continue to be change. Like Mm -hmm. that life will continue to bloom and blossom and be so much more than I could have imagined. But just knowing that the shitty part has to happen, the self-hate is going to be back, Mm -hmm. the distrust, totally reasonable and there. And I think there's also a piece of that too, where it's like not gaslighting myself, like not making it like, uh, why do you feel this way? Or like, what's mm-hmm. wrong with you? You know, mm-hmm. you should be different. And it's like, no, bitch, I'm complicated. I yeah. I exist in on many different planes. And that's, that's a good thing. It's a yeah. That's probably one of the most validating things. And I think comforting things that anybody who lives in a body could hear, because I think when I went through this last postpartum, it was so humbling. And I remember writing about the fact that I needed to acknowledge what it was. And it was grief. I had to grieve who I was in order to become who I am. And I think we constantly are at war with ourselves to feel good about who we are and not ever feel bad about who we are. And I get DMs every day, like, how do you do it? Like, how do you find it? How do you? And I'm like, I just show up. I don't wait for the feeling anymore because it's not coming with me at every point in life. In fact, it's never really been there. If if anything, the only time that I regret anything is like you said, when the hate was driving the car, when that took the front seat and then I was merely a passenger to it, where now it's like, it's there, it's in, it's in, it's with me. It is me. And I can't escape it. I need to actually talk about it. I need somewhere for the bad feelings to go. We need to acknowledge them if we're going to be able to show up in ourselves and in everything else. Otherwise, it's just another thing that we feel shame about. It's another part that we feel we failed at if we don't love ourselves enough and we're not perfectly happy with who we are all the time. But I want to ask you, because this is something I get asked all the time and I feel like it's such an individual thing, but I'd love to hear what you do on the days that it's really hard on the days that you really struggle with like topically appearance. Like everyone has those days where you're like, I'm I want to burn every piece of clothing I have if I look one more minute in this mirror or that one one photo. You know, back when I lost 100 pounds, it was this big newsworthy article that this one bad photo on Facebook inspired a woman to lose all this weight. It was so, quote unquote, inspirational. The reality is I saw one photo that decimated my self-esteem that spoke nothing about who I was, but about how I felt I was being perceived that made me restrict every corner of my life in order to never feel that discomfort again. The reality was it followed me. I felt uncomfortable at every single size, all the way down to a zero and back up again. And so I would love for somebody who has really worked in the practice of 
you know, being in your body, how have you, how have you managed those days and those thoughts and still showing up for yourself? Oh my God. It's literally just like, let it be painful. Like, okay, mm-hmm. I want to, so, <clears throat> so much that you said resonated. And one thing that I'm thinking of is I had a period some years ago where I was like looking at my Instagram photos and I was just like, this is a hall of mirrors. It's a, it's my nightmare hall of mirrors because every picture that I've posted is perfectly curated. It's not going to seem that way to everybody, but to me, yeah. I'm looking at it like this was my idea of the best picture. This is the day that I felt really good about myself. Mm-hmm. And now on this day that I'm not feeling good about myself, this is like a nightmare because I'm only looking at the like hall of fame essentially. Mm-hmm. And that feeling is so debilitating and very much like I don't know where to go forward and the only way that I really process this at this point is just to let myself feel whatever the feeling is like I don't try to not feel sad or like like if I feel depressed I just let it ride and like that might mean literally just like staying in bed and being this I feel like at this point I now know that like the my big thing is that like I have to get out of bed so I don't do that as much just because it's like a mental health thing for me personally yeah Yeah. but I have deep respect for just like feeling into the darkest corners of the emotion and just Mm -hmm. saying like I'm just gonna let it be here and also really looking at myself in the way that I think is unattractive like Mm -hmm. saying I'm going to look at my triple chins. I'm going to turn my body this angle and I'm going to really look at it. I'm Mm. going to sit in front of the mirror and let that be. Because there comes a point, and this is like, so what I'm really saying also is that I meditate in this space. Like I let, and meditation I think has, talk about something with way too many assumptions about what it actually is. But I think that meditation seems like really fun and like, calming and i find meditation to be extremely complex and hard and like <laughs> just like it's like a collision of thoughts at all i'm times. like i don't want to go there i don't want to know what exactly. i'm thinking literally i don't want to literally. know what's going on in my mind that sounds terrifying exactly and so my thing is like okay i'm gonna sit with the emotions i'm gonna feel it and yeah. then and the thing that always happens in meditation is that you can't feel it forever like mm. emotions somebody told me recently that every emotion only lasts 90 seconds so like even in your deepest even in if you're like i'm gonna sit with this and i'm just gonna let it be terrible eventually it's gonna dissipate and it's Mm. gonna turn into something or your your mind is gonna move on Mm -hmm. and so that is usually my response is to just meditate and let let the feeling be there and then let it pass through my mind and move on and because what ends up happening is this deep welling gratitude to even be alive and to Mm. just be here and that's where i end up sitting is like okay what can i be grateful for and Mm -hmm. it'll be like literally i'm going to list out things that i'm grateful for and it could Mm -hmm. be anything and it's usually like it's not about my body it's not about it's like I'm grateful that I woke up today. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful that the sun is shining and therefore the earth is still, its rotation is still being supported. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful that I have clean water to drink. Mm-hmm. And then from there, it's like, okay, you know, this body, I fucking hate this body, but you know, it did get me out of bed today. And you know, it, I don't mind the way that this finger looks. <laughs> and then just like starting from there, just like, what can I say that I like? And how can I really 
find the joy that is always here in this mm -hmm. moment. But I feel like I can't get there if I don't let myself feel really shitty first. Like, yeah. I feel like it has to be, don't anybody tell me, I despise being told like, you should love yourself or like, it's okay. Don't you, I'm like, you don't know me. You don't know yeah. my life. Like yeah. what my truth is my truth. And being able to let that be there allows me to see the, the bounty that is actually present. I only struggled with depression for the first time when I was pregnant with my fourth. And I had something called prenatal depression, which I didn't know existed. And the discomfort of what depression is versus what I thought it was and mm. how much I thought I could escape it or happy it away and how uncomfortable I was, the the emotional vulnerability hangover that I would have anytime I talked about it. And it was like, no, that's not who I am. I'm the happy girl. I'm not supposed to be like this. And then I came out of that and I would talk about it reflectively and how much that experience really taught me. And now just recently I got diagnosed with PMDD, which again, didn't know existed until it was suddenly my diagnosis. And I only had heard people talk about it online. And the one thing I've really learned about that particular thing and about mental health in, in general is you can't just like happy think your way out of it. And so what I, what I've learned is sort of, you know, I, I usually have to get my kids to school. So like, there is no, there is no always like staying in it, but not trying to fight mm -hmm. how awful it feels and not trying to happy it away. And understanding that if I try and run, it's just chasing me and it's faster and it's going to just hurt so much harder when I fall down. And it does. That's and the thing about it is that it's like, it still comes up. It's it like, it doesn't comes. even matter. It's like, you can pretend it, you can hide it. And I feel yeah. like, I mean, having to wear so many hats, you just have to compartmentalize at a certain yeah, point. It's sometimes like, I you do put this over here. Yeah. yeah. But it's like, that box is still there. The trash still, still stinks and it's going to have to happen. Yeah. I have to know, are you a Gemini? What is your sign? I'm sign? a Capricorn. No. But oh I gosh. don't, I don't believe I should be. Somebody looks at my, yeah. I'm a Capricorn, but I was due in Sagittarius. So I've always felt like a Sag, but there's, Ooh. I forget what my, I forget what my total birth chart. I'm December 31st, 84. Wow, I remember really? I did it once. Oh but goodness. I was, uh, yeah, I'm a Capricorn, but I don't identify like every description of it. I, I don't, oh I can't relate all the time, but there's something about my moon and sun that like brings it to make sense again. But yeah, it's always been a, it's always been a fascinating thing, but I, I find it all like a lot I'm of things with, really... I would say the only thing I'm stubborn about as a Capricorn is like, I'm stubborn that nothing is actually wrong with me until it's like actually <laughs> so like yeah. speaking of like yeah that's basically it I just run from my problems like incessantly until they they catch up with me and I and I think that one thing that I've learned a lot along the way is on the really hard days finding comforts whether it is like a really good blanket or for me like my husband knows now like we're not having, we're not making dinner. I'm either ordering butter chicken or I'm having yes. a bowl of cereal. I have yes. to go into like a deep comfort state, but I prepare for that now. I don't fight it anymore. And I'm like, no, I'm fine. No, I'm fine. No, I'm fine. We have written it into contracts. I've changed the way I do business by acknowledging it instead of just being like, I don't want this to be a thing that makes people never want to work with me or never want to interact with me. I need everybody in, in my world to understand so I can support it because you know what? It's a three, it's a three day journey. It's a three day. It's once a month. It sucks, but three days a month I can prepare for, I can, I can strategize for, I can let people be aware of, I can watch the cycles for. And I know that that's not something that everyone has the privilege of within mental health is to have a predictor that comes and tells you when the big bad days are coming. 
But I do think that there's there's something about our society that is so uncomfortable with discomfort. We don't want to talk mm-hmm. about we don't want to talk about racism. We don't want to talk about, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, privileges. We don't want to talk about anything that makes us uncomfortable. Talking about failure, you know what? Like 30 minutes ago, I said something that I shouldn't have said on my Instagram, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to leave it up, and I'm going to apologize yes. because we need to yes. see people failing in real time. We have to stop. Yes becoming so like, if I just go, if I just took it down and I was like, no, I'm ashamed and I don't want to talk about it. That just, that just allows more shame to fall into the cycle that doesn't actually evolve us as human beings. And in relation to each other, we are flawed. We are uncomfortable. And the more we get into the parts of us that is so uncomfortable because we just don't know better. I think we all kind of come out really well. And I think this is what I'm saying is this whole conversation is sort of so beautiful because it's peaceful with the fact that we have to get in bed with the things that we're uncomfortable with. And that includes the parts of ourselves that we hate. And Mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever heard somebody say that before or acknowledge Mm -hmm. that before. Yeah. I just really think that to be able to be at peace with yourself is not to like everything about yourself. Mm. It is to actively hate pieces of yourself Mm. because hate is a part of the human experience and dislike is important. It's a really good note of, it tells you about yourself. It tells you about the world and um, being able to really listen to your gut and feel your intuition and be present to yourself means leaning into the negativity and Mm -hmm. not away from it Mm -hmm. and i just really i think that when we talk about happiness and we were talking about this like like being the happy girl Mm -hmm. i feel like for so long i've just been like daria basically just like i'm like (laughs) well, this gloomy thing is coming or like, you know, <laughs> like think about this thing. But I'm like finding now that there's so, I feel very happy most of the yeah. time. And yeah. it comes from just being like, yeah, no, there's something gloomy right around the corner. Like, yeah. yeah. And actually maybe it's right here, rain cloud mm-hmm. over your head mm-hmm. and that's okay. And it's, it's a joy to just be able to live ultimately. And, you know, I'm saying that and I'm just like, past me is annoyed with myself because I'm like oh my god you're so flaky like when did you stop oh my god this is all that new age shit of course now you practice yoga you would say something like that but I'm like I need her too I need that part of myself that is critical and like just being able to let it all be there feels yeah really powerful I remember this quote by it was actually Zoe Deschanel and she said nothing is more powerful than allowing yourself to truly be affected by things whether it's a song a stranger a mountain a tea kettle an article a sentence a footstep feel it all look around you all of this is for you take it and have gratitude give it and feel love and that stuck with me because I always felt like I was so soft I, I cry at literally everything but there's I cry at things that are so sad and I also cry at things that are so happy. And I think for a lot of us, we're in this place of if I feel bad things, I'm not I'm not doing a good job in the in the human experience. And I think what I love about what you're saying is like, feel it all, like acknowledge that that's part of our human experience. We experience more joy when we acknowledge the things that are hard and painful. I mean, there's so many inspirational quotes about, you know, the rainbow that comes out after, after the rain. But I think there's part of me in listening to you speak. That's like, I also need to appreciate the rain in a way I need to acknowledge Mm, it. 
I need to acknowledge mm-hmm. it. And then I need to also appreciate and acknowledge the rainbow and that they have, they, one doesn't come without the other. Exactly. Like they, they come together. Right. So like after the storm is when the flower grows, like mm-hmm. there's no way to have anything actually be strong and have roots and be powerful without sustaining wind. I was, um, my horoscope reminded me the other day that the, that trees grow roots to withstand the wind. Like they're not, and they become so strong and live for hundreds of years and longer than that. Mm -hmm. And it's because they have to withstand change and Mm. they're, it's not because they always are, it's the best day. Like everything is so happy. So just like letting it be there is, and, and, you know, there was something else that you said before about um, the saying the wrong thing and then yeah. wanting to respond in real time and like offer an op- offer an example of what it is to change your mind or to have a yeah. different opinion. I think that we live in this time of like, it's everything is so heavily curated and we're mm-hmm. all like trying to edit our lives together and mm-hmm. pretend something. And it is so powerful to just have an opinion and to mm-hmm. just to say something, even if somebody disagrees with it, Mm -hmm. even if it hurts someone's feelings, Mm -hmm. that maybe there's a lot there. And I think that that's something, um, especially like sharing your life on social media. This is something that I experienced personally is like, there's lines where you're like, is this what I wanna say? Maybe I shouldn't say anything at all about this topic because it could, it could be incendiary to this person or that person. I don't know enough. I'm not educated enough. Yeah, exactly. But the reality is that none of us are that educated. And ultimately, like everybody is just saying their opinion, even if something seems like it's a fact, it's just somebody's opinion. Yeah. So if you value your thoughts and you're okay with being humbled and Mm -hmm. saying, I don't know, I changed my mind or maybe I have something to learn from somebody else. Like, and from that place, you can say anything, do anything and do it because it will inspire somebody else to do the same thing. I think it's so important, especially in the realm of social media where everything we ever say or do can get thrown back against us. It's the reason I've left up photos where I edit myself. It's the reason I've left up weight loss images and shitty things I've said, because I believe in the hope of humanity that we can change our minds and that we can be different people and we can evolve. I don't want to, I don't want to erase the, the, the things that are uncomfortable to look back on now, how I shamed my body before and the fat phobic things that I said, I, I want people to see the change of a person, like the evolution of somebody, even if it still bites me in the ass and someone was like, you edited this photo three years ago. Guess what? Yeah, I did. I was in a really bad, I was in a really right. bad place. Right. I don't and know what like, you want me to say. Can you relate to that? Have yeah. you ever been in a bad place? Have you ever been this, a I'm, woman in this world? <laughs> I'm curious how you feel about trolling or like how that all impacts you, because that's also my reaction to trolling is like, yeah, you know, I can understand where you're coming from. Like mm-hmm. if there's ever any time that I receive negative feedback, I'm like, damn, you must be having a bad day, you know, because yeah. like in general, I think that if you're happy, you don't want for other people to be unhappy. You want to promote so true. happiness. Yeah. So that if you're sad, it's like, oh, man, I get that. I feel yeah. that. And it becomes an opportunity for like 
humanity again of like, yeah. I get it. And I yeah, think I always try. I always have hope yeah. for people. And sometimes I'll like send them a voice note or a video mm. just to be like, we're both people here. Sometimes mm. it works. And sometimes I have to bless them and block them and move on. Mm. Some exactly. people, some people uh, seek to destroy. That is their intention. They are not looking for anything else. I've never been somebody that has looked at somebody's content and thought this is, this is what I'm going to say. I've always thought, it's okay that I, that I have a private conversation or it's okay that I don't say anything at all or that I unfollow or mute this person. There is a, there's a lot of voices in this, in this space now. And I think it's just one of those things where we eventually have to, rem and I've, I, I'm sure you have as well, when you meet like celebrities and you realize mm -hmm. that they're like, deeply insecure and you realize mm -hmm. that they're also very, very human. And mm -hmm. it makes you realize how many news stories you've read about or how many times you sat with your girlfriends and speculated over certain people. And you're like, wow, I have to come face to face with this because these are human beings that we have, you know, in, and whether that comes with their job or not is a very, it's all a human experience. And I think that's just I just hold hope for everybody, even the worst of trolls I've ever had. I just oh hold God. hope for people because I know that I was a very, when I was in my twenties, I was a very jealous person because I was a very unhappy mm -hmm. person. And mm -hmm. I know that I know where it comes from. So I only have like empathy, but I also have boundaries. And I think that that's, especially when it starts to impact mental health and that impacts, mm -hmm. you know, your relationships around you and impacts the way that you parent or partner. That's where I'm like, I, a line has to be drawn. I can't give all Absolutely. access, but it is, it is such a journey. I'm so in awe of the way that you have navigated this space and and everything you've done for everyone listening, uh, you have gifted us with like one of the more powerful episodes I think we've ever gotten to listen to. And some of the more powerful things that I think I will live with for a very, for a very long time, I hope. Where can everyone find you and what would you like them to sort of tune in? Plug away. Oh, my goodness. Well, you can find me in my classes and my books, Everybody Yoga and Yoke My Yoga of Self-Acceptance at jessamanstanley.com. And it's jessamine, J-E-S-S-A-M like monkey, Y-N like Nancy. And you can find me on social media at my name is jessamine. And you can follow my yoga studio, The Underbelly, at The Underbelly Yoga. And you can try a free two-week trial at theunderbelly.com. Oh my gosh, maybe I'm going to get back into yoga with you. I can see yeah, it. I can do, do it. it. Okay. I'm looking forward to it. Well, thank you so much. And for everyone listening, I'll have everything in the show notes for you as well. And we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening all the way through this episode. If you've made it this far, I have one more little thing to share with you. Did you know that I actually have a photo and video editing app? So many people were surprised to hear that I have one, but it's actually been around for a little while and you can join over 200,000 of the Papaya community by downloading my free app, Pink Papaya on iOS. While so many apps focus on changing your appearance, Pink Papaya is all about celebrating yourself for exactly who you are and expressing your creativity and your storytelling with nearly 50 free filters and tools. Find us on social and share your edits as well. We might just share them too. So tag me as well at Pink Papaya app. Just had to share that with you, especially as the springtime's coming. We've got some really cool things happening in there and so much more coming. Check it out at Pink Papaya app. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day. 
Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find us on Instagram at the Papaya Podcast. And if you loved what you just listened to or know somebody who would, please share it. Simply screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it to your Instagram stories and don't forget to tag us. Last but not least, if you'd like to lend your personal support to the podcast, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be oh so grateful. Tune in next week for a fresh new episode of the Papaya Podcast, and we'll see you then. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.